Eagle Nation. You're listening to Gotta Talk, a podcast dedicated to all things Georgia Southern football. Now, here's your hosts, Matt Monty and Cody Anderson. Hey, fellas. Hey, ladies. Hey, gentlemen. Hey, everybody. One more time for your Camellia Bowl champions. Eagle Nation, you're listening to Gotta Talk as always. I'm your host, Matt Monty, and Georgia Southern winners of their 10th game of the season, winners of the Camellia Bowl, beating Eastern Michigan 23-21 in dramatic fashion with that 4th and 10 run by Shai Wirtz and what a run that was in that 40-yard field goal by Tyler Bass with uh, with just two seconds on the clock uh, to, to seal the win, get us our 10th our, our win of the season, um, most wins ever uh, in FBS, uh, winning a bowl for the second time uh, since being an FBS member and tying the, the, the biggest turnaround in the 150 years of college football, going from, from uh, double-digit losses to double-digit wins in just one one season. Um, so again, thanks uh, for listening to to Gotta Talk. I'm your host Matt. We will be joined. Uh, Cody will be joining me in just a second, along with uh, Travis uh, Jadon from uh, Savannah Morning News. He's the beat writer that covers Georgia Southern uh, for the Savannah Morning News. Um, he will be joining us to talk about the Camellia Bowl and uh, to kind of break down what he saw from up there in the press box, um, and uh, and also kind of touch on you know a little bit about this season as a whole. And then also uh, a little bit about recruiting and and you know where where this team is headed for the future and, may, and maybe what what this win in the Camellia Bowl will do uh, for this 2019 uh, recruiting class. We have uh, the early recruiting period coming up here on uh, Wednesday, depending on when you're listening to this. Going through Friday, um, we will uh, recap recruiting in an upcoming episode, um, as well as recap the season as a whole. So this episode will focus uh, mainly just on that Camellia Bowl win. Um, and and just how how big of a win that was, uh, you know, for this team, for the coaching staff, for Eagle Nation, and uh, for the seniors like uh, Wesley Fields, and just kind of what what legacy this senior class will leave. Um, so all that and more, we'll talk to Travis from the Family News about that. And quickly before we get going, I just want to give a shout out to everyone that I met in Montgomery um, for for having me. I, you know, I made the trip from uh, Orlando, uh, the seven hour trip up there, and it, it just reminded me of, of you know why I love uh, you know my alma mater and uh, you know why I love uh, just college football um, in general, and and just just the atmosphere up there was incredible. Um, everyone I met that 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 welcomed me in, uh, you know from uh, you know a dinner Friday night to uh, the Gattaro guys uh, letting me hang out with them at their tailgate uh, and then also met a uh, Eastern Michigan super fan uh, you know shout out to Chris uh, for um, you know getting getting me on the field uh, and his on uh, on field uh, suite um, there where you know I watched the the, the second half and I uh, got to see that that Tyler Bass game-winning field goal we talked on Twitter and, and got to talking and met before the game and then was able to get on the field uh, for that. So, I mean, what what a position uh, to be at right right under the goalpost. Uh, I posted that on Twitter. If you haven't gone to watch that video, uh, go check that out at uh, uh, Gotta Talk Podcast on Twitter. Uh, you know, right on the goalpost as, as Tyler Bass's field goal um, goes through for, for, you know, one of the biggest kicks in Georgia Southern uh, football history. Uh, he had three, three kicks in the game. I hit a 50-yarder in, in the first half and, and two field goals in the second half, including that 40-yard uh, winner. 
Uh, we'll, we'll talk about all that uh, here coming up uh, with Travis. Um, but just what an experience, uh, great food, great company, you know, just uh, all, all the sites. Uh, Montgomery was a great host. Uh, so not, nothing but good things to say about that. Just a, a really, really great weekend. And, uh, you know, I hope everyone else that made it to the game had had a great time out there as well. So with that, thank you for listening to Gotta Talk. And uh, let's get into uh, this chat about the Camellia Bowl with uh, Travis from the Savannah Morning News. <laughs> All right, so now Eagle Nation, I want to welcome in uh, Travis Jadon. He's the beat writer for Georgia Southern for Savannah Moore News. Um, and uh, hey, Travis, thanks for being on the show. Hey, Matt. Hey, Cody. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, I've listened to you guys since y'all started and, and kind of throughout the season. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to be on with you guys and talk about this season because it's certainly a lot to talk about, especially from the Camellia Bowl. So thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for being on. So. Uh, yeah, let's get started talking about the Camellia Bowl. I mean, we we talked briefly, Travis, uh, last week, um, you know, before the game about you know kind of our thoughts and and we uh, we both kind of thought that it wasn't going to be um, you know nearly as close as it was. Um, you know, certainly uh, closest game we played all year. Uh, you know, it was the first time since uh, 2007 I heard that um, it took a, a game winning that we won on a game winning field goal. Um, so I mean, you know, outside of the Arkansas State game, which obviously that uh, that reverse play to, uh, you know, the, to, to win that, but that was with a tied game. So, I mean, kind of, kind of first, first time we've had to kind of come back all year um, in that way and, and rely on the field goal. And um, so, I mean, you know, a lot, a lot closer than, than people expected, but we're, what were just kind of your thoughts, thoughts on the game, watching it from the press box? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was something else. That we, we talked, you said we talked last week about it. I thought the first half, you know, as it kind of started to develop, you thought maybe this is where, there, you know, there were a few moments where you thought this is where Georgia Southern kind of began to enforce its will on Eastern Michigan and kind of begin to wear them down. And I thought, you know, that if, for instance, there was no halftime break, I think that might have been the case and Georgia Southern would have continued to dominate like they did in the first half. I mean, the, the score wasn't exactly lopsided, 10 points, but you know, they pretty much dominated the first half. Eastern Michigan ran 18 first half plays, which is, you know, remarkable. That's, you know, you can't really do much with 18 plays. The fact that they scored seven points says, you know, enough for their offense. But I thought, Matt, that Georgia Southern played extremely well in the first half and that they did exactly what they wanted to do. And I thought in the second half that they made exactly one play more, you know, enough to hold on to win. Um, the second half was kind of very un-Georgia Southern-like, and I don't think it had anything to do with the moment being too big or anything like that, but I just think that some things that hadn't been happening started happening to Georgia Southern at the worst time. They had back-to-back pre-snap penalties at one point. I think it was like second and three in the third quarter at one point, and they had back-to-back uh you know, pre-snap penalties to set them back, move them behind the chains. They end up punting, and Eastern Michigan comes down and scores. So, you know, things like that started happening in the second half, and it started on the first play. And so when when Eastern Michigan went ahead, you wondered if Georgia Southern would have enough firepower to give Tyler Bass a chance because they hadn't shown any of that uh, in the second half, and they did. And, you know, Shy Worth's scramble, obviously, is – 
you know, at this point, a historic play for Georgia Southern. So I thought because of Wirtz, because of uh, Seal did some nice stuff in the second half too, and, and Tyler Bass, West Kennedy was nice in the game. But, you know, their biggest players played well enough for Georgia Southern to win, and it, it was certainly exciting to be at. I know you guys were – or, Matt, you were there, and Cody, you were watching. I mean, what were you guys thinking during the game? It had to be a roller coaster, huh? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, I, I thought, I thought the first, I was talking, you know, just before this call uh, with Cody, and um, you know, we we both thought that the first half, like you said, kind of played out the way everyone expected, and you know, yeah, just just ten points, but it did look like we were kind of, uh, you know, dominating, that it was really going to open up there in the second half, like we did all season, and we do actually probably started a little bit better than we have most of the year, um, so you know that that was encouraging. Um, and, uh, but yeah, then that second half, I was actually watching this, uh, you know, first half from the same second half um, on the field uh, from, from a suite and that, uh, you know, it, it was c- kind of hard to, to see, you know, I've obviously gone back and, and watched some of the plays and stuff online, but it was, it was kind of hard to see the plays develop and, you know, what, what was really going wrong and like with those penalties that you yeah. mentioned, things like that. Um, so, but yeah, it was, it was strange. Cause if you look, if you look at the, the, the stat line, you know, and you don't watch that second half. I mean, we, we dominated most, you know, we had uh, 31 yards rushing. Uh, we dominated time of possession. We only had four penalties for 25 yards. Uh, Eastern Michigan also had four mm-hmm. for 25 and we didn't turn the ball over at all, you know, but like you said, just those little back-to-back. things like with the back-to-back penalties and just not being able to convert, um, you know, uh, just, uh, you know, four for 12 on third down, um, it was those little things that, like, if you look at the stats, they wouldn't really reflect that. Where, like, you know, against Troy or ULM, you can obviously see that it's glaring. Uh, so it, it was just kind of strange because we we were moving the ball and we were doing things we just weren't doing, you know, uh, doing as much in the second half as we did in the first, obviously. And um, you know, just relying on those two those two bass field goals as as the only scores of the second half. How about you, Cody? Yeah. I was a nervous wreck in that second half. Um, kind of like y'all, at halftime, I felt really confident. Um, the first half went just about as well as I think we could expect um, outside of the block punt. But, I mean, the way that we played, the way that we kind of dominated on, especially those three out of those five drives, it was like our offense really couldn't be stopped. And I didn't expect them to really do anything in the second half against our offense. So uh, when they came out that first play and, and hit that, 75 yard pass it you know that kind of shifted things and uh, I can tell you I was from at home on tv I was pretty nervous because I didn't know how the game was going to shake out until uh as Travis mentioned the uh the scramble and then once when that happened I was like as long as we can hold on to the ball for the next two minutes and get Bass uh, a chance to kick it I think we can win it now Travis what did you think about that I mean watching from the press box and covering the team all year um, you know, and, and obviously coming at it from, from a different viewpoint as us, uh, you know, not, not as a fan and, and you know, as, uh, as a journalist, what were your thoughts um, after that, uh, that fourth down scramble? And, and you know, did, did you think that we were in good position to win that game with, with Bass's leg? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm super confident in Tyler Bass just having gotten to know him a little bit throughout the season. And obviously you don't have to get to know him to know he's a great kicker. Uh, but for me, that the after work scrambled, it kind of became clear that they weren't going to be in any hurry. You know, I don't know the 
after, and you guys can correct me if you disagree, I don't know that after Wurtz's scramble that, that there was really a firm plan for the next 10, 15 seconds. And so I think you, you line up fairly quickly after that, and, and then it's a read option that goes to Fields, who I think gets a, you know, a, few, a couple of yards. And then at that point, the clock's still running. Eastern Michigan decides to not call its, its final timeout. And so at that point, you're kind of just letting the the game come to you. And I was certainly fine with that. If if the game comes down to a Tyler Bass field goal, I think Georgia Southern takes it every day of the week and basically any game. Did you but, did you did you think the management at the end? Like I was listening to the coaches' show, uh, you know, earlier, and and uh, and and Lunsford had mentioned that. Um, you know, he was hearing some stuff even from the, the fans of maybe like people cursing at him to stop the clock, call a timeout earlier, run some more plays. But I mean, he, he didn't do that. You know, he kind of, um, you know, I don't want to say went conservative. He he just he was he was content with where we were on the field and to, to give Bass that, you know, that that long field goal. Yeah, and I can certainly understand that. I mean, I think content is a good word to use. I think that's what they were, you know. I would have liked, and I've said this all year, and they haven't really done it, and it's worked. So why would why would they change? I, I would love to see them have the ability to hit on a, a five yard dive play and then quickly get to the line. You don't have to be a no huddle. You don't have to be quick. You don't even have to snap it once you're at the line of scrimmage. But you know that kind of thing they haven't done it all year, so that they weren't really built for that per se. But yeah, I would have liked to see just more aggression in the, you know, in that situation, but certainly it worked out perfectly fine. And if Tyler Bass misses that field goal, I, I would have never, ever questioned the decision because you will have lost on his third missed field goal the entire season. So the chances of that happening were slim. But I guess quickly before we move on, uh, I just wanted to touch, you guys talked about a third down. What was incredible to me was in the first half, Georgia Southern's four seven on third down, pretty pretty good, and they've been pretty good or at least average all season. And then in the second half, they don't commit on one third down. And Eastern Michigan is the you know one of the worst third down teams in the country offensively, and they have one conversion before the final drive, their final drive, and then they convert three on one drive. So stuff like that, you can't really plan for, I guess. That kind of stat just amazed me. And and a lot of those third downs on that, you know, what seemed like forever drive for Eastern Michigan, a lot of those third downs were just quick wide receiver screens and broken tackles, which again was very un-Georgia Southern-like. Right. Well, I mean, we we definitely have seen that kind of, you know, under um, the under stuff all year with, you know, throwing underneath coverage. And, and you know, that's part of Sloan's kind of strategy with, you know, uh, kind of allow teams to nickel and dime us, but not give up the big play, but don't break all that. Um, we've seen that all year, but, and, and they were able to do that, but yeah, definitely those, those, those big plays that they hit like that, that 75 yarder, um, like Cody mentioned, you know, that was, that was a little uncharacteristic. Uh, you know, we've may have seen it a few times, you know, as in, in games that we've lost, this year, um, like ULM and Troy, but, uh, you know, didn't really see it the rest of the season. Yeah, Cody, what did you think of that 75-yard playoff? I guess you're the only one of us that's seen it on TV and saw it live on TV. What was your 
what did it look like on TV? Because when I went back and watched it, it, it looked to me like Moon just slipped and, and Brinson thought or didn't know Moon slipped or Brinson thought that Jackson was going to run out of bounds. But either way, Brinson pulled up and, and Moon was like out of the picture. So what did it look like on TV? Yeah, there was an, an underneath route because they were playing the zone coverage that they typically play. There was an underneath route that caused Brinson to take a step forward um, that was coming to the boundary. And you would expect Moon to come over the top and take that receiver. And he just took a bad angle at the receiver. And I think if the ball isn't thrown the way that it's thrown um, and he catches it regular, maybe Moon is able to tackle him and keep and knock him out of bounds. But I think the way that he has to kind of back step and then pivot and takes off, creates that bad angle yeah. for Moon, and that's how he's able to break it off for 75 yards. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, let's let's quickly talk about um you know, Georgia Southern's passing passing attack or, or lack thereof. I mean, uh, you know, certainly couldn't really hit, you know, that that big play that we've the hit you know, a lot of the season where whether it's um, you know, Richardson or, or Darion Anderson or, or or someone like that. Um, you know, what uh, obviously Eastern Michigan, uh, you know, came in really good uh pass defense. We knew that, but we thought maybe we would be able to, you know, catch them off guard. Uh, with, you know, the the way we pass the ball, you know, kind of lulling you to sleep uh, with all the runs and then, you know, do do a play-action pass, not obviously hit them on an obvious passing down for, for a big play, but, um, you know, hit them when they're not expecting it. So uh, that, that didn't really happen. So what, why why do you think that is? Just Is that just a credit to Eastern Michigan's defense or were we just not kind of on point passing the ball um, in this game? No, I mean, I think, I think it was more that Eastern Michigan kind of knew what, was going to be offered in the passing game. Georgia Southern, as efficient and good as they've been, I mean, I'm comfortable in saying they've been good passing the ball. They haven't been very diverse. And, by that, I mean, there's only a few different looks you get uh, when Georgia Southern passes it. And I think Georgia Southern tried nearly all of them, but, you know, a couple of times. I know if you guys remember the the game, I forget what game it was, when Westfield's kind of, went off as a receiver out of the backfield twice running the same play. The Troy game, yeah. Right, yeah. So they tried that with Monteo Garrett uh, one time, and and I think Worth just missed some pretty good coverage on that. Uh, One time, Fields was open on and underneath. Both receivers had cleared. I think it was like a cross – both had run crossing routes, and then Fields comes out of the backfield uh, up the middle – and he was wide open and, and worked through it, and a defensive lineman knocked it down. Um, but, you know, I thought that there was – and then there was another time where uh, Anderson was running downfield, or either Anderson or Ransom, was running downfield and was pretty well covered off of one of those play-action shot plays that, that they'd like to take all year. Um, and so it looked like to me Eastern Michigan was just prepared for it. But uh, – the most impressive pass play of the night by far for me, probably on either side, was Wurtz's first or the first scoring drive for Georgia Southern, which I think was the second drive of the game. Uh, Wurtz hit Malik Murray on a stop route on third and 13, and it was a dime. I mean, it was a bullet before Murray had even turned around. And, and that, to me, was super impressive because at that point it was still – a pretty misty rain and still slippery out there. So, um, you know, all in all, I thought the passing game was just so-so. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know they're going into the game that they thought 
that some of those big plays would necessarily hit, but I think they tried it once or twice and, and saw it wasn't going to be there. Gotcha, gotcha. So yeah, so so Travis, just tell me, you know, from from being, uh, you know, having, you know, access to the team, talking to Lunsford and the coaches and and um, you know the players after the game and and all season long, what uh, what was just the reaction uh, from this win? I mean, obviously, you know, an emotional win. We saw Lunsford and and uh, you know several of the coaches, uh, you know, misty eyed. Uh, av- you know, after the game, what what was kind of the um, just the overall you know morale and demeanor in the locker room? Not just from winning this game, but just what this win means. Uh, you know, being being the second uh, bowl win, going two and zero in bowls and in FBS, and then also uh, just a huge turnaround from from uh, uh, two wins to ten wins. Well, I, I think the word that came to mind uh, for me was when I was in the press conference and looking at the players' faces and Coach Lunsford's face, uh, you know, after the excitement had kind of not dwindled, it, it, I don't think it, it has even dwindled yet, but after the excitement had kind of set in and taken its course, I think they were relieved, honestly, was the word I thought of, was relieved and, and a little bit of satisfaction. Going into the game, you know, I didn't, I guess I didn't either grasp the importance of it, or I just didn't think that the season would be some sort of, you know, any sort of failure with a loss, any kind of loss uh, to Eastern Michigan. I just didn't see that because, I, you know, I, they have done so many good things and so many unexpected things this season. But after the game, I mean, it was clear that a chapter had kind of been closed and it was kind of like they righted some wrongs you know, they took care of things and kind of restored order. But, you know, it it wasn't necessarily what you would expect from a team that's returning so many guys next year and the future does look really, really bright. It wasn't as if it was like a springboard forward into next year. You know, it didn't feel that way, at least. It was as if a chapter had been closed and successfully finished and, and kind of the job had been complete if that makes sense, like the weight had been lifted off their shoulders and that they did, you know, what they said they were going to do at the beginning of the year. And none of us really, I think, believed it to this extent. I don't think anybody did outside of the locker room. Right. Um, but, but, you know, it was just, it was cool to see kind of them be the same people all year and be really stoic and, and say all the right things and do all the right things that players, coaches, program you know and then for them to kind of be a little more human Lunsford's been human the whole season but the players especially kind of just you could just tell that they have taken a just open it just opened up a little bit yeah yeah just satisfied I guess I mean it, it was nice to see for sure so from like you, you talked about like being stoic and I mean certainly from being in like locker rooms myself and and uh, and all that you 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 get the coach speak and you also get it from the players you know so but you know seeing them every day at practice and then after the games in the locker room you can kind of read you know read into it a little more and 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 see how they really feel even though that might not be what they uh, you know verbalize you know to you and then on the record and all that so I mean. Ha- did you see kind of the demeanor of the team change? Like you, you mentioned how, you know, most fans and Cody and I have said this all year. I mean, it was in our wildest dreams that we would be sitting at 10 wins right now. Um, but, you know, do you, do you think the team 
actually believe that at the beginning of the year, or do you think that you know? Did you kind of see the see them start to believe more and more uh, with every week? Um, you know, I, I, honestly, I still don't know, but I'll say this: at the beginning of the year, a lot of the stuff I was hearing, and and I'm sure you guys would say the same thing. You've kind of heard it all before. Right. I mean, we love each other. This is a brotherhood. We got a good group of guys. People get along. It's just kind of what does that have to do with blocking, tackling, passing, and running, you know? And as the season went along, you know, it became clear that on some level, this was at least very, very unique. And now looking back at the season, just in any way you measure it, you can look at the numbers or you can look at the actual human side of it. it was a unique season. They set plenty of records. They did stuff that's never been done before. And they did it, you know, by staying the same. They were the same way on August 3rd when they opened with their first fall practice. And Wirtz said, he, you know, he was more comfortable and that and the, he was already, you know, more confident and, and was going to let his guys do, you know, make more plays and not depend on his athleticism as much. And that was true for the entirety of the season for, you know, for the most part. And same thing, you look at the different units, you know, the, the, the secondary, the defensive line, the offensive line, especially they developed over the season as they said they would. The one thing that kind of didn't really happen as far as I could see, uh, the offense didn't really expand as much as I thought it would. It expanded a lot from week one to week three or four, but it didn't really expand too much after that, I don't think. And so that's the one thing I'll say about it. But yeah, I think to answer your question in a long-winded way, I do think that this team was special off the field. And I think that some of the things that they were saying, they've convinced me may actually have effects on actual football games. Um, you know, stuff like the brotherhood, the immeasurable stuff, you know, that kind of people like me don't really usually like because we can't measure them. So right. I do kind of think that something unique about this team can't be replicated. Um, and that can either be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how you look at it. But, yeah, to answer your question, I think there was a little something more with this team. Gotcha, gotcha. So – with you know we're we're not going to get too too much into like the season as a whole or or even like the future uh we will touch on recruiting here in just a second but you mentioned you know we we got a lot of guys returning um you know that this wasn't a, a senior laden team but obviously the senior class uh Lundsberg has talked about all year you know they mentioned even at the pep rally you know that Friday night um that you know these guys kind of went full circle right i mean they you know they started uh, with with a bowl win and they're in it with a bowl win and then obviously those those two years mix in between and with the summer's years um, not going the way anybody wanted so um, with with this you know being your first year you know covering the team for you know some more news what did you kind of get out of that that senior class and from talking to them and and just you know how how much this win uh, and and the season you know as a whole just kind of meant for them and 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 also how players like Wirtz and some of the younger guys, how they kind of fed off of that. Um, yeah, I, I was immediately struck with the senior class and how they they kind of managed to do two things. They managed to keep the focus on 2018 and kind of not make it into like a 
some sort of transition and long-term process with, you know, seniors obviously are opposed to for obvious reasons because it's their last year. They may, but they managed to, to bring along and to accept and play alongside contributors from the sophomore class and from the junior class that I think was pretty rare. I mean, people like Wesley Fields, it had to have been something, and, and you guys can tell me about this. It had to have been something to watch him kind of grow up in a program like this. Obviously, Georgia Southern's running backs are as prestigious, and, and you know that that kind of alumni is, is tough to tough to make a name for yourself. But um, I'd be interested to hear what you guys had to say about Fields, especially. Um, that's who stuck out for me the whole season was kind of his consistency and just on and off the field he was you know very honest and very uh aware i think from the beginning of what the job at hand was i forget the quote but at the sunbelt conference media day in july in new orleans he said something along the lines of you know we know that we have we have one more shot to, to basically not let statesboro as a city and georgia southern as a school down and, he, you know, he is very aware of the history of Georgia Southern and kind of the responsibility that came with this season uh, as a whole. And to shoulder that at, you know, at his age and the whole class, really, at their age, to shoulder that burden of if you don't, then you'll forever be known as, you know, let's, I guess we can just say it, a failure if you go five and seven, two and ten, and then say they went, you know, three and nine or something this year. Right, that would not be memorable in the in, in the you know annals of Georgia Southern football history. So to shoulder that burden and to perform the way they did, I I was very impressed with that class. So yeah, I I definitely agree with you on Fields. Um, you know, Cody and I have touched on this. I'll, I'll let him get get his in a second here um, about him. But it's it's a guy that grew up with a program. You know, we we saw him as as a freshman and. Um, you know, certainly saw the potential there, you know, as, as a freshman and always a really good uh, pass catching back. Um, and then, you know, saw him struggle a little bit, especially last year um, you know, and, and then kind of shine in, in moments, you know, mainly after Lunsford took over. Um, but he, you know, I, I, I think we, we really saw him kind of grow up and, and, and mature and take on that leadership um that that he didn't have you know his uh you know early on in his career and obviously he, he didn't need to because there there was other people that take that role but um you know i i don't know if he and and you've obviously talked to him all year so maybe you can you know attest to this but i i, I think he he really took on that leadership role became kind of more of a vocal leader you know on on and off the field and uh and and the players definitely fed into that and and looked at because i mean we honestly like you said having all the storied quarterback or running backs that we've had in our history um we haven't had many frankly that that have been around you know for four years and then saw a consistent playing time um so you know wesley fields is in in that class now and and i think uh yeah i mean you know to finish uh you know uh, over a thousand yards nine touchdowns on the year um, and, you know, um, certainly helped out and, and, you know, to win this Camellia Bowl. So, um, you know, I, I think, I think his, his legacy is, is definitely, um, you know, cemented, uh, now, you know, in, in, in Georgia Southern, uh, you know, football history and, and the history of our, our running backs here, Cody. Yeah, I, I 
agree with that. I was thinking that it was it was finally nice to kind of see his potential realized when he came in as a freshman. You know, he was behind Brita and, and Ramsby, and he was still getting considerable playing time under Fritz. So you knew that as a freshman, he had to be really impressive to even get even a, a share of the, of the ball at that point in that 15 season. Um, and then, of course, we know what happens in 16 and 17. Um, but to finally see him kind of really take control of that running back position and finally hit that 1,000-yard milestone and, and to really kind of push through all the adversity that he had the previous two seasons and then even, you know, his injuries, you know, that kind of flared up over the off season and then throughout this season to kind of really push through it and lead this team um, was just phenomenal. So I can't, I can't be any more happier for him um, to see this season go the way that it did, um, especially for him. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the biggest thing with Fields is just like I think what he'll be remembered for, yeah, is, is like facing adversity, um, you know, grow, growing with a program and being just like a warrior, you know. I mean, because like we've, I mean, it's not a yeah. disrespect to him, but I mean, I, like we've we've had better running backs here. I mean, we have, you know, I, I mean, you've got you've got McKinnon, you've got uh, Breida, you know, both in the NFL now, and then uh, Adrian Peterson, and um, you know, you can even go back to you know, kids like Dominique Swope and stuff who who didn't play nearly as long, you know, had like flashes of brilliance, but um, Fields was just, he just grinded it out and he just, uh, you know, was there. And like I said, just, just grew with the program. I think that, I think that's how he's going to be remembered. I mean, Co- you know, Cody can chime in if he wants, but uh, to me, that's, that's how I'm going to remember him as just someone who is a, is a lifer with the program and, and, you know, grew up with the program and uh, just overcame adversity. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of what I touched on that in my column on Monday for the Slam Morning News. That that's just another example of this team kind of being perfect for this moment and for this year. A guy like Wesley Fields, like you just said, and that's kind of what I wanted to know is kind of what his legacy would be because certainly Wes Fields isn't the kind of guy that you see on tape or that even really you see in person. He doesn't really wow you but his consistency and his ability to to do exactly what he's asked without making mistakes you know seemingly ever uh was perfect for this team and and that's kind of what the whole team was really right i mean just perfectly built for this moment and able to handle things that frankly a lot of other georgia southern players haven't ever had to handle you know you don't have the success in states for so long meant that so many guys never ever had to deal with losing or failing or, you know, not being praised and not doing what was expected of them, frankly. So, you know, Fields, for me, you know, only seeing him one year, obviously. uh, For me, a guy that doesn't come around too often, and, you know, I feel lucky having been able to see him for at least a season. And, a guy like that is the kind of guy that will be missed next year. Um, although, you know, there's plenty coming back, we've said. But, yeah, so I thought Fields fit perfectly in the role as a leader for the team because he performed, you know, on the field and kind of was able to shoulder everything off of it. Yep, yep. Cody, did you have anything else for uh, for this game or kind of the season as a whole? We'll, we'll touch on recruiting here um, if you don't have anything. Yeah, no, I don't have anything else. So, uh, so Travis, let's talk uh, about recruiting here for a second. Just, um, you know, obviously, with uh, 
once once this episode launches, you know, we'll only have like a day, a day and a half maybe um, until that early signing day, um, you know, period. And uh, but what what have you kind of seen recruiting wise, um, you know, so far uh, for this period? Any like uh, late recruits coming in? And also how how this uh, win, you know, getting this 10th win in the Camellia Bowl, um, you know, maybe what what kind of effect do you think that might have um, on on this recruiting class, not just the early signing period, but just the class as a whole? Well, I think, you know, for the early signing period, I don't know that the bowl win's going to have much effect just because of the turnaround. You know, the signing period starts Wednesday and runs through Friday, and then guys will be able to sign again the first Wednesday in February. But as a whole, I think that playing the bowl game obviously allowed Georgia Southern to showcase some things that we've all seen all year. And kind of, you know, people that really pay attention to college football had been paying attention to Georgia Southern already. I think after the App State win, you know, they got on the national stage a little bit. uh, Because the first time around at Texas State, obviously, we remember that. That wasn't a great showing on national TV. But I think to be able to show off what Georgia Southern had been all year and the uniqueness of it with the chair and the celebrating and the personalities and the, you know, but we love to win that kind of stuff to be able to showcase that. I think that will draw recruits. I, I, it certainly won't hurt. Um, but the recruiting class had already kind of been picking up steam. Um, I think they, they got, they have 16 guys now committed. A lot of those guys will sign uh, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Um, and so I think right now they're slotted at number five in the Sun Belt. Um, that's according to 247 Sports. I don't, you know, that's a, a tough judgment, I think, at this point in time, because you're not dealing with four- and five-star players. You're dealing with, for the most part, two- and three-star players. So the separation isn't as significant between five and one, I don't think, at least. Um, but there's a couple guys in this class that I think are going to fill needs and what I'm interested in guys is is what the class literally looks like what it physically looks like and where and how they spend their scholarships because this is really the the first full go-round for Lunsford, DeBess, and Sloan right and you're gonna see you're gonna have some sort of indication one way or the other depending on what the class looks like of what they prioritize and what they kind of want to look like going forward and just right off the rip, I can tell you that they, they're they very excited about the quarterback from Jefferson County. I don't want to get his name wrong, but I, I believe it's Jenkins is his last name. Um, and I think that they're very high on him. And then they're also very, very high on secondary depth. So we know that Sean Freeman and Josh Mean are, are, are leaving the program. They're graduating and you have to replace them. There's some guys already on the roster that are able to do that, I'm sure. But David Spaulding from Bradwell Institute um, is is a big cornerback. He's a three-star from 247 Sports. And he's a big-bodied cornerback, the kind of cornerback that, you know, defensive coordinators, especially someone like Scott Sloan, who, you know, at, at some times when they're not in the strip zone, that they're putting guys, cornerbacks on islands. And so they love those big body guys. Um, Spalding is one of those guys for sure. Um, they've also got targeting a lot of offensive linemen. They haven't really hit 
on too many of them yet, uh, but I think so. Offensive line and secondary, as far as this class goes, um, are going to be keys. And then, you know, as always, looking for those athletes and, and, and the running back. Yeah, well, well, speaking of the running back, I mean, obviously, uh, transfer-wise, you know, you have G-Day uh, King uh, from Oklahoma State. Um, so that's, you know, that, that looks yeah. to be, you know, he was a big recruit uh, out of high school um, going there and, uh, you know, a, um, a you know, fairly local kid. And everything that I've seen, you know, about him, I mean, the hype, the hype is real with him, obviously, has to sit out a year. Um, but, I mean, he, he technically kind of, you know, folds into this class as well. Um, but, uh, we, yeah, I got you know, a chance to in high yeah. school, actually. Okay. Uh, play, he played against, he played against BC, which actually that BC team had, uh, Wes Kennedy and Chris Harris on it. And BC was rolling at that point. I think they had won 20 something straight, uh, going back to the previous year and JD King and, and his Fitzgerald team really came into Savannah and manhandled Benedictine. So JD King is the real deal. I mean, all you have to do is look at his numbers at Oklahoma State and tell yep. that he can play big-time football. Um, but, yeah, he, he looks the part uh, when he's without pads, and he certainly looks the part in pads. So, Georgia Southern fans should be very excited about that. And what what would you say? I mean, Cody and I have talked about, you know, we, we've got that depth at running back. But, I mean, what what would you say is the one kind of glaring hole? You mentioned the, the secondary with the safeties there. But, uh, you know, as you said, we, we, we got some guys in last year's recruiting class that might be able to step in there. But what's what's kind of the biggest uh, glaring, you know, hole and need for us uh, recruiting-wise? So, I think it depends on how you look at it, right? If you take away – this is kind of how I look at recruiting, and you can look at it in any number of ways. There's no right or wrong way. So here's what I do. I pretend if you get rid of the first 22 guys, so the, the starting 11 on both sides, get rid of the one guy at every position, how good would you be then? You know, So how good are your number twos across the board? And when you look at it that way, you would have to be certainly worried about quarterback. First yep. and foremost, I think LeBaron Anthony offered at least some comfort for me, at least, you know, I never really worried that the entire offense would shut down this year without work as valuable as it was just because Anthony was, you know, an old soul and kind of had done it all before and really wouldn't get rattled. That's not going to be the case next year. It'll probably be Justin Tomlin as the backup, but Jenkins coming in is, is, is you know, a priority and, after quarterback, I think you, you got to look at the offensive line, as always, with any option team. Um, you're going to lose Curtis Rainey. You're going to lose uh, Jeremiah Colbert. And I assume that Brian Miller will slide from right tackle to left tackle, but offensive line depth is going to be key. And then in the secondary, for sure. You know, another thing that I they're probably not going to target a lot of, uh, you know, punters punters or kickers for uh, scholarship offers. Although I know that, you know, they're looking at a couple of guys and they've already offered a kicker as well. I, I do think that they want to move to having a guy that can kick and punt. And and Tyler Bass could do that if they needed him to. Um, but I do think they want to kind of use one scholarship on both if they can moving forward. But um to answer your question, I think 
secondary and an offensive line are, are the two biggest keys for this specific class. Gotcha, gotcha. Cody, do you have anything, Nan? No, I, I don't actually agree with him. Kind of looking, kind of how our depth is and, and going forward, I think he's exactly right. Secondary and offensive line is where I think this recruiting class is going to be focused on. All right, cool. Um, all right, Travis, well, uh, before we let you go, um, why don't you uh, just kind of tell everybody how to how to find you, how to read your stuff. Yeah, so you can keep up with me and my writing uh, for Georgia Southern Athletics on savannahnow.com slash sports. That's the website for the Savannah Morning News in Savannah, Georgia. Um, and then we have our podcast that we do, try to do it weekly. We'll, we'll move to kind of bi-monthly um, during basketball season. It's called Georgia Southern Extra. And, you know, Matt, me and you have talked about this before. I think that a lot of people are hungry for Georgia Southern information and and just discussion generally because the program warrants, the football program certainly warrants that kind of attention. And I think that, you know, there's this podcast, uh, Gata Talk, and then there's our podcast, Georgia Southern Extra. There's the, the um, Inside Eagle Nation with, with Danny Reed and those guys. And I think all three are ways that Georgia Southern uh, fans and people that are interested in the program generally can, can hear three different types of Georgia Southern discussion. And I think that that's only good for the program. I mean, I don't, you know, know any other program in the Sun Belt. You guys correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if there's any other Sun Belt program that, that could support the amount of attention that Georgia Southern fans give this program, and that says a lot for the fan base. So I, I think anyone that wants to follow this podcast probably would enjoy our podcast as well as the other one. So uh, Georgia Southern Extra is the name of that one, um, and you can find it on you know Apple Podcasts, Google, all that good stuff. Um, and yeah, so that's yeah, how. yeah. You can also find me on Twitter. Oh yeah, go go ahead and uh, your your Twitter handle if you want to say that. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Jadon Sports. It's J A U D O N Sports. Um, that's where you can rag me for talking about injuries and stuff. Like that. <laughs> right. Injuries <laughs> and what 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 was the other one? It was the uh, it was the Texas State game or no uh, the the ULM game the ULM game. Yeah, Cyworth said that he played bad and 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 I agreed with him and and I guess that was the wrong choice. <laughs> but uh but no yeah as, as you said Travis I mean uh yeah we, and Cody and I have talked about this I mean it's 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 great and you're right that I think we're probably the only uh G5 team in the country that that could have three you know podcasts probably out there and and all the blogs that we have and and, and then all the uh, right. you know traditional media and all that with TV and newspapers um because we we warrant that you know uh, attention we we uh, you know uh, our, our fan base is just so hungry for content, like you said, and and we all bring something different to the table. We, uh, Cody and I, have said this, um, but you know we're we're obviously fans uh, coming at it from that perspective. You're coming at it from a completely, um, you know, an un, un, unbiased uh, view, you know, as a journalist. And then you have Danny Reed, who's somewhere there there in the middle. You know, still can't be too critical of the team. Obviously employed, you know, by the school, um, but uh, you know also has more of that like. Uh, fan leading uh leaning um you know viewpoints and things like that so it's it's all and obviously they they cover other things uh than than just football and um i know you guys you know mentioned you'll you'll do some basketball and stuff too so it's 
you know, all, all three unique uh, perspectives. And uh, yeah, we've, we've enjoyed your stuff all, all year writing in, in the podcast and, um, and we appreciate you being on the show. Well, thank you guys for having me. Yeah. And, and I enjoy listening to you guys uh, every week too. So you guys keep it up as well. All right. Thanks, Travis. Thanks guys. Yep. Thanks, Travis. Thank you for listening to Gotta Talk. Be sure to visit our website, gottatalk.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Gotta Talk Podcast for more news and coverage of Georgia Southern football. Reach out with questions, share your thoughts, or suggest topics on our social media channels or by emailing us at gattatalkpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, Eagle Nation, Gata and Hail Southern. Oh, uh, yeah.